You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Witness Docs from Stitcher. I'm Stephanie Kiryuki, and I was a producer on season one of Unfinished Deep South. And I'm so excited because today we're having a conversation between all four hosts of the two seasons of Unfinished. Um, with me today is Taylor Hom. Hey, guys. And Neil Shea. Hey. Who are the two hosts of Unfinished Deep South. And then Ash Sanders. Hello. And Sarah Ventry. Hi. You guys are the host of season two, Short Creek. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. Yeah, this is awesome. We're so excited to be here. There's so many things to get into. And I guess for me, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that we just wrapped episode 10 of Deep South. I mean, that's a big deal. We wrapped production a couple months ago, but the the listeners just heard the final episode. So I'm excited to have been a part of it. But Taylor... Tell me, like, what is your favorite moment from the series? I mean, this is really hard. There's a lot of great moments, but I think it might be just because you mentioned episode 10, but um, I think one of my favorite parts was when we all went down to Montgomery and Isidore was honored at the Equal Justice Institute Memorial um, last year in 2019. I think that was probably my favorite, favorite moment. Mm-hmm. And Neil, I mean, I think for me, that was awesome to hear because you just got to get a fuller picture of Isidore's family. Have you heard from them? Like, what do they think of the series? Yeah, we've heard from them a bunch. Um, and most most everybody that we've spoken to loves the podcast so far. There have been a couple of little moments like, you forgot to mention this or this, you know, just stuff that we could never have fit into the podcast <laughs> that a family obviously knows way better than anyone ever will. But um, everybody seems to really be happy with the effort that was put into investigating Isidore's story and, and surfacing it. So uh, we've been talking with Marcelina, with uh, Dorothy, with Jim Banks, and with some of the other members of the family, and also trying to make sure that we take photographic portraits of everybody who's in that sort of immediate family, too. So the, the story kind of continues. Yeah, I love on your Instagram how you can just see, not to like plug your Instagram, but on your Instagram, you just get a fuller picture of who everybody on the show is just because of those portraits. My favorite thing about Deep South is that we really were able to tell a story that was happening on the ground. It didn't feel, for me, it didn't feel like very far away. Like we, I felt like since you guys spent so much time there and the family was involved, we really got into it. Ash, I'm curious, like you've listened to the series, Mm -hmm. at least a little bit of it, right? (laughs) All of it, yep. (laughs) So what do you think? Well, I thought, you know, 
it was such a powerful series. I've listened to the episode on lynching a few times because I think it just captures so much of the unspoken and uh, history in America that I, you know, as a white person growing up in a conservative area, I didn't grow up learning the, those stories and I didn't have to know them, you know, as a white person. And so I think that the series does such a powerful job of bringing those stories to the fore and showing how they affected this one family. But, you know, using that story of that one family to show that that the legacy and the trauma of lynchings are part of our history and they're things that are still being worked out today. So I just really appreciated both the personal story of Isadora Banks and the historical narrative that is so relevant with all the uprisings and protests going on right now. Mm-hmm. Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It really, I felt like, gave an incredible amount of context to the moment that we're in. And I felt like I got to know who Isidore really was, and but also to understand how his life and death, the effects of that rippled out and affected the community, that it's part of a greater legacy of, of violence in this country that we're still trying to understand and grapple with today. Yeah, I thought it was really brilliant. Yeah. And I mean, I what you just said about grappling with today, I mean, that brings us kind of like to season two. And what I would love to hear first, tell us like what is the season two about? What is Short Creek about? So Short Creek is a community on the Utah-Arizona border. Half of it's in Utah, half of it's in Arizona. And it was founded by fundamentalist Mormons. So these are folks who broke away from the mainstream Mormon church because they wanted to live communally and because they wanted to practice polygamy. In recent years, the community has become really well-known because of their prophet, who's a man named Warren Jeffs. And you might have heard of Warren Jeffs because he at one time was on the FBI's most wanted list uh, and several years ago went to prison for sexual abuse. Just imagine if you lived in a town where everyone was the same. They dressed the same. They were, you know, all white. They uh, thought they worshipped the same things. And then within the course of, you know, 10 years, everything about that changed, was just turned on its head. Like, what would that town be like? That's essentially what we're trying to, the story we're trying to tell listeners in this season. Some of the problems that Short Creek is dealing with are problems that America is also grappling with, like where is the line between freedom of religion and freedom from religion? Um, You know, there are actually walls in town to keep some people out and some people in. So it's a a complicated story, but it's got some familiar themes. Yeah. What I like most about what you're saying is that somewhat the name Warren Jeffs might ring a bell for some people. But I think what this story does is kind of zoom out and zoom in at the same time of looking at the bigger picture while also paying attention to the community that's most affected by him. And Ash, I'm, could you talk more about the background? You know, how did you guys find this story? And what led you down the road of of choosing to tell it in a podcast? Yeah, so um, I am from Salt Lake City, so anytime I tell somebody that, their next question is, did you grow up Mormon? And the answer is yes, and I'm no longer part of the church, but growing up, we would always hear about the fundamentalist Mormons in Short Creek, and people would be like, oh yeah, they're not like us, they're weird, Um, they do weird things like practice polygamy and, and live communally, and I'm like, okay, if somebody tells me something's weird, I'm going to be interested in it. So I started, you know, looking into it. You know, like I would always say when people were like, oh, Mormons were like, the FLDS are weird. I'm like, the world thinks that mainstream Mormons are weird. So like, what is this, what is this culture all about? And so 
I started uh, looking into Shore Creek, and the thing that really interested me in the in the beginning, um, and that still is probably the thing that it, I'm most passionate about understanding today, is that there's this town, you know, that used this American idea of freedom of religion to then basically create a theocracy, a totally religious town that was above the laws of the land. And those tensions, you know, and I, like Sarah said, I think a lot of those are really American tensions, like you know, freedom of and freedom from religion and how far can your faith go. And on the other side, Sarah, you know, she's in Arizona and I'm a Utah, so we kind of represent both sides of the border uh, in Shore Creek. And she was doing her own work and we found each other and said, let's do this. Let's collaborate on uh, reporting on this community. And we spent a ton of time there um, over the course of years. We've spent months there. Sarah embedded there, lived in the prophet's home. So it's just been something that we've poured a lot of energy into understanding. So when I listened to the first episode, at first I wasn't sure because I was like, wow, this is a totally different story than season one. But then I just kept on going and I realized, wait, the bridge here is actually the idea of America's unfinished business. And Taylor and Neil, you actually, you guys are the one who created the concept of unfinished. Could you talk more about like what that is and what it, what does it mean for a story to be unfinished in this context? I'm trying to think back. I can't remember exactly what we had written in like our original pitch deck, but it had something to do with this idea of you know, America says it's the land of freedom, of democracy, of equal opportunity, and what that obviously hasn't been fully realized. And so what is the unfinished business that we need to address and take care of to kind of have this country live up to its promise of freedom? And so we just thought it could, the possibilities were endless. Yeah, the one of the things that we were kicking around back at the beginning of this was that this, you know, these unsolved or unfinished things in American history, when they're not dealt with, they come back to haunt you. And that's what we were seeing, you know, sort of around the time that Trump was elected, where these issues that just kept coming back to the surface crossed the political spectrum that had never really been adequately dealt with in American society. So they kept making people angry, or they kept calling for uh, attention. It's interesting that Short Creek takes this perspective on religion because one of the one of the fundamental things about Christianity is like you can't move past a sin until you deal with it, right? And America founds itself and prides itself on being a Christian nation quite often. But the sins of slavery and Jim Crow and those things, they were never dealt with. They were there was never an accounting or a reckoning for those things. So of course they they felt very unfinished, like they were gonna just keep coming back to haunt us as a, as a nation. Yeah, I think those are really good points. And I think that, well, Sarah and I have also been like, huh, how does our show connect to the first season? And obviously there's a huge difference, which is that Deep South is dealing with racism and the horrifying impact that has on Black people throughout American history. And Short Creek is about an all-white town. Like at one point, Short Creek was all-white <laughs> and entirely FLDS, so a town full of sameness, but also full of people like many white people in America today who felt persecuted, you know, nonetheless. But I think that something that unites these two shows is this idea of white people feeling like they're above the law, that they can do things that other people can't do to maintain their power and that they're not going to be held accountable for that. And that's something I think Warren Jeffs really capitalized on in Short Creek. You know, with Short Creek, it's maybe a little bit different. I think that 
Um, there's unfinished business of the sort Neil and Taylor are talking about. But I think there's also unfinished business because the Constitution is full of contradictions. You know, it, it allows people freedom of religion, but it says you have to obey the law. So what if you think your freedom of religion allows you to break the law? You know, in some ways, I think what's happening in Short Creek will never be finished because it's a way that we're wrangling with contradictions in our founding documents and in, in America at large. Both seasons really talk about the impact of leaders within a community. In season one, it's about the sheriff. In season two, you know, the religious leader has a lot of weight in, in how the community operates. Sarah, could you talk a little bit about the power of these kinds of leaders and their impact even today? We heard a lot about the role of the sheriff in Deep South and the fact that he, there were no checks and balances and he had control over all sorts of different systems and not just one. In Short Creek, the prophet's actually someone who speaks for God. So this isn't just, um, a person that people have chosen to put into power. This is a person who, in theory, has, um, you know, like a supernatural connection. And so when you are in an insular place and you have a per one person who speaks for God and that person is telling you to do things, um, it becomes a question of how deep is your faith? How far are you willing to go? And then what do you do to protect the system that you know? So, you know, I think Warren Jeffs was able to kind of like take his position of power and manipulate it to sort of get what he wanted. And he created, in doing that, he created a system that was extremely um, traumatic and upsetting and abusive for many, many people. So even when you leave the church or you say, you know what, I don't believe in this prophet anymore, the effect that that has on you as an individual is massive. So um, I think it's really a system of power and disenfranchisement. And in our case, in Short Creek, we're looking at it in this one religious community. But obviously, on a national scale, we're having a, a ton of conversations about what institutionalized power and disenfranchisement looks like on, on a whole bunch of different levels. And that is one, if I could just say one thing, like, that is something that is really interesting about Short Creek is that, you know, people see it and they want to other it. They're like, oh, that's not that's nothing like America at all. But the more we've reported on the community, the more it just seems to be America with the volume turned up. It strikes me that you you, you guys are picking up on something that, that's strange about America. And it's sort of this love-hate relationship with cultish type things. So you're you're bringing up these ideas of democracy, and I think that's awesome. And I think there's also this, you know, people are allowed to do very strange things under the banner of privacy in this country. There's this sort of separatist, you know, isolationist theme or, or strain in American culture that you, you're getting at with this story, and I'm really intrigued by it. Yeah, and I think part of the reason that there's so much question about this, like when and how should the government intervene, you know, what is the government's role and responsibility in this? And I think over the course of our season, um, you hear about a couple of times that the government has gone in and then had regrets about it later, uh, other times that they waited to go in and weren't sure if it was the right thing or not. And then at some point, the federal government comes in uh, and decides actually to sue the the towns for religious discrimination, which is in many ways unprecedented. Uh, and as you said, Neil, in a lot of cases, the federal government is coming in on the side of privacy and, and, and of freedom of religion. So I think it's a really 
sticky thing, that sort of struggle to figure out where the lines are supposed to go. Hearing you guys talk about this stuff is like so exciting. Um, And I know I already feel like I want to listen to more. (laughs) So uh, we have some audio. Ash, do you think you can introduce us to what we're about to hear? Yeah. um, So I think with a lot of stories about, uh, you know, religious groups like this, uh, there's a moment for the individual characters and also for the listeners where it's like it goes from something that you think, oh, yeah, that that seems maybe extreme, but just let them do their thing to, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And this is one of those moments for one of our characters. Her name is Shirley Draper, and she grew up FLDS in Shore Creek. But this moment that we're going to listen to in tape is kind of her tipping moment. She is in the meeting house, the chapel for the FLDS, and Warren Jeffs walks up to the pulpit, and he's about to threaten the thing that Shirley values most. He just said for everybody, just pull your children out of school and don't send your kids to school because they have to associate with apostates there. And I remember my blood just running cold. And I literally, I I remember leaning forward and looking at the two side doors in the meeting house, and they were closed. And I remember thinking, they're going to trot the Kool-Aid in. And how am I going to get out of here without causing a scene? Like you were worried for your life in that moment? I, I really was. I thought, this is it. You know, we have devolved into a full-fledged cult, and um, he's going to start requiring people to give up their lives. And I, re- I remember that feeling of looking at those doors and thinking, how am I going to get out of here in time? Wow. And he hadn't even scratched the surface of the depths that he would go to. That's wild. I want to hear more of it <laughs> immediately. Yeah, that was very intriguing. <laughs> I listened to episode one, which was awesome, by the way. Um, and it left me just wanting to hear more from people that had been in this group firsthand. And so this piece of tape like totally scratches that itch which is really intriguing yeah taylor neil now that we're done now that you're done really you're experts right (laughs) (laughs) sure um i'm curious what advice do you guys have for ash and sarah since they'll be quickly in your place pretty soon I was going to say now it's just like you need a cheer squad to be like, you're almost there. You're almost there. You can do it. Um. Don't read the comments. That was surprising. Um, most of the comments, we have nearly a thousand or so now on, on iTunes alone, but they're they're almost all good. But there are some that just, they t- either totally miss the point or they're like body type weirdos who just keep commenting on the same thing over and over. I didn't expect that that would get sort of through my journalist armor so quickly, <laughs> but a couple of those comments really pissed me off really quickly. And uh, and it was like, you totally, I was like yelling at the computer, like, who are you? I'm going to find you. And, and so I actually did, this is how bad it got. I looked up one of these these people, supposed people, and it's just somebody who goes around and leaves comments like this on a a, a bunch of other podcasts. You're trolling the troll, Neil. <laughs> they really are just trolls. And so I was like, okay, I can blow them off now. Um, Ash, Sarah, congratulations. This is a big deal to finish a series. Is there anything that you want people to know? If they If they can take one thing with them about season two, what would it be? For me, it's just that I want them to know that 
This is a community you might have heard of, and you may have read or watched or listened to stories about this place before. But, um, you know, Ash and I really tried hard to make sure that we painted a more complicated picture than maybe the ones that you've seen or heard before. Plan to hear a lot of different voices from a lot of different sides of the story. We also talk to people who are still active FLDS. They're still part of the church. And that is a tough thing to do. A lot of times folks who are FLDS um, don't do interviews. So we worked really hard to make sure we talk to as many voices as we can. And I would say, you know, it's a good story, and but it's a more complicated one than you might realize. So I would just say get ready. <laughs> yeah, and I'd say, you know, you might find yourself surprised at who you sympathize with. I know that we did at times, um, and I think that's the sign that it's a good, complicated story. Thank you all so much for being here. And I, for one, am so excited for this next season. I know it's going to be something that people are also going to be excited by. You can find the first two episodes of Unfinished Short Creek on September 14th, wherever you listen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was so great to meet you guys. Yeah, it was nice to meet you too. Congratulations. Episode one sounds awesome, by the way. Thanks. Thanks. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.